for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We hope you can join us to celebrate Reformation Day 2021 on October 30th in Louisville, Kentucky. The Mid-America Reformed Baptist Association of Churches invites you to a one-day conference featuring Pastor Sam Waldron, Ron Miller, and Ben Carlson, who will be speaking on Solus Christus, or the Doctrine of Salvation by Christ Alone. To learn how you can attend in person or via live stream, visit marbach.org slash Alone. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is the Man of God Network, a podcast of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary in Owensboro, Kentucky. This is the voice of the narrated Puritan. For more narrations, go to Puritan Audiobooks. If you look up the history of the American Tract Society, it says it was founded in 1825 in New York. I'm not really sure what to think of that because before me is the ninth annual report of the American Tract Society, and it is 1823 from Andover Theological Seminary, which was in Massachusetts. But the Massachusetts Tract Society was originally called the New England Tract Society. But I've always found these reports enjoyable because their stories in their annual reports of how Bible tracts were used in the conversion and conviction of many people. So for our edification, I want to share some of these stories. A gentleman from Canada who has repeatedly applied to the Committee for Tracts states, that could they be obtained, they might be circulated extensively and with the prospect of immense advantage. Three persons, he states, and one family, notorious for their profaneness, have not only been outwardly reformed, but have become hopefully pious and appear now to be truly devoted to God in consequence of reading the Swearer's Prayer, a little tract of four pages, 6,000 copies of which may be printed for $20. A respectable merchant in Brazil applied to the Committee for Tracks, offered to take charge of them himself, and stated that by means of merchants with whom he was acquainted, he could circulate them very extensively in that country. He also wished for New Testaments in Portuguese and Spanish, which he said might be distributed and be exceedingly useful. A gentleman who has resided a number of years at Valparaiso and is well acquainted with the country, states that missionaries may travel without difficulty from Buenos Aires to Chile and distribute to advantage great numbers of religious tracts. A young man commissioned by the American board who is soon to enter upon an exploring mission through South America applied to the Committee for Spanish Tracts, and it was a source of deep regret that they were not able to supply him They expressed to him, however, the hope and the confidence that when his application should be generally known, means would be provided for a supply. Nor is a want of tracts confined to this continent. Immense fields are opening for their distribution on other continents. In the vicinity of Bombay in India, where the American Board of Commissioners have a printing press, are 11 million people all speaking one language. Nearly all of them are destitute of the gospel, there being only three missionaries among them. Again, this is from 1823. 
and writes one of these missionaries, the distribution of tracts is the only possible way in which we can exhibit any portions of the gospel to vast portions of the present generation of India. Missionaries to go to them and preach to them the gospel cannot be obtained. We must print and circulate tracts, or millions and millions of the present and future generations of India must go down in unbroken succession through pagan darkness to the grave. And writes another missionary, tracts can be printed at Bombay in the Maratha language as cheap as you can print them in New England. And there is no section of the world where they may be distributed with the prospect of greater usefulness than in the Maratha country. The great body of the people would be likely to receive more instruction from a little tract, which they could read in five minutes, than they would from the entire New Testament, because they would be so much more likely to read it. And after they have read one tract, they are often anxious to get another and another. Soon they may read, if they can obtain it, the whole New Testament. A missionary in Ceylon writes, We visit from two to eight families in a day. Sometimes we take long journeys and are out six to eight days, taking with us some of the boys from the schools. At such times particularly, we feel the need of tracks. Passing through villages where the gospel was never before heard, we find hundreds who can and who would read had we books or tracks to give them. But alas, we have none. No Bible, no tract to show the poor heathen how to flee from the wrath to come. The only tracts which we have ever had have been written upon the Ola and procured, of course, at a great expense. Perhaps in all our missions we have distributed 200, obtained in that way. Oh, that we could get a supply printed. And how many villages could the gospel be sent by means of tracts? How many souls by a single tract might be saved from endless misery? Six years ago, a heathen youth, for the first time, obtained a New Testament. In reading it, the Holy Spirit enlightened his mind, and he was hopefully brought to that knowledge of Jesus Christ, which is life eternal. Of his own accord and unknown to any Christian friend, he began to preach the gospel and published to his countrymen the glad tidings of salvation. A few months ago, he became acquainted with Christian missionaries and found to his astonishment that they were disciples of Jesus. He is now with them, studying the Bible and laboring among the people. He has become a member of the church and gives, says the missionary, satisfactory evidence of love to God and love to man. Who can estimate the good which may result from furnishing the heathen with a single Bible or a single tract? And who can forbear when he sees how easily and with what numbers he may furnish them? A respectable mercantile house purchased the last year 10,000 copies of the Christian Almanac. By this purchase, a profit accrued to the society, sufficient to furnish for circulation in our own country, tracts of four pages each, to the number of 30,000 tracts. From their profits, they made a donation to the society of $50 to be appropriated to the printing of tracts in the Maratha language at Bombay. Witness the effects of this measure. There has been a circulation of 10,000 copies of the Christian Almanac, these have gone probably into 10,000 families and been read by 30,000 individuals. From the avails, 30,000 tracts of four pages each will be furnished for circulation in this country, which may go into as many more families and be read by twice as many more individuals. 
The avails of these may furnish another addition, and the avails of those another. And when they have passed through eight additions, the number which the society has actually printed of some of its tracts in nine years, there will be furnished for circulation from the avails of those 10,000 copies of the Almanac, 240,000 tracts. And now a reading from the testimonies at the ninth Annual Report of the American Tract Society. To be convinced that tracts are the means of infinite blessings, we need only look at facts. A man from an adjoining state was passing with a drove of cattle through a town in this commonwealth on the Sabbath. A little tract was handed him, inculcating the duty of remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. He determined that he would not read it, though he did not throw it away. When out of sight, he felt a curiosity to see what it contained, and he began to read it. He soon began to feel the guilt and danger of profaning the Sabbath and said to his companion, let us stop until the Sabbath is over. His companion refused. Well, he said, you may go on, but I shall stop. They both put up until the close of the Sabbath. But the man still felt the burden of a wounded spirit, and he found no relief until, as he hopes, he submitted to Jesus. He is now apparently devoted to God and traces his first serious impressions to that one little tract. A benevolent individual put a sum of money into the hands of his minister to purchase religious tracts for a gratuitous distribution. He purchased a number, and among them was a persuasive to public worship. It fell into the hands of a careless man who carried it in his pocket to a neighboring town, where it fell into the hands of a pious woman, who sent it to an acquaintance of hers who neglected public worship. He read it and became alarmed at his condition. He immediately began to attend upon the preaching of the gospel and to hear with anxious concern. And there is reason to believe that he is now heartily devoted to God. A teacher of a school in New Hampshire received from her minister a parcel of tracts to be lent as rewards to her scholars. The tract on intemperance found its way into the families of two intemperate men, and before the close of the season, they manifested an essential reformation. As a young man in a neighboring state was about to set out on a voyage at sea, a pious friend put into his trunk a parcel of tracts. While on his voyage, curiosity led him to examine this little bundle. On opening it, his eye fastened on the young cottager. It arrested his attention, and he read it through. And there is reason to hope that it has left an impression on his mind which will never be effaced. He separated from his companions and spent much of his time in reading, meditation, and prayer. He continued this course until his return, when he found that his relish for former pleasures was gone. And he was led to say, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He has since made a public profession of religion and relates with humility and gratitude the kindness of God in causing to be put into his trunk, that little tract. The Young Cottager is an authentic narrative written by the Reverend Lay Richmond and has repeatedly been blessed to the salvation of men. A copy of it was handed by a little child to a young lady in this commonwealth. As she read it, an involuntary tear started from her eye and offended with herself for becoming overcome by a tract 
She threw it down and resolved to have nothing more to do with it. But she could not rest and took it up again. She was again affected even to tears and angrily threw it down. But she could not rest then. She took it up again and at length read it through. And an impression was fastened upon her mind which there is reason to believe will be eternal. What, said she, can this poor cottager so bewail her sins and I, who am tenfold more guilty, feel no relentings? Days and weeks of anguish on account of her sins passed away, and she wandered in darkness and saw no light. But at length a ray from the sun of righteousness broke in upon her, and she was brought out of darkness into marvelous light. For years she has now been engaged in seeking out the poor and destitute, and distributing among them Bibles and religious tracts, instructing them in Sabbath schools, and exciting her acquaintance to greater and more systematical efforts for the salvation of men. The tract entitled 16 Short Sermons was handed by an aged lady in the state to a little boy. He read it until he came to the third sermon, which is from this text, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This appeared to be for him. He felt that he had sinned and in a thousand instances came short of the glory of God. He became deeply distressed, began from that time to search the scriptures daily and to seek the salvation of his soul. In a few months he obtained, as he hopes, joy and peace in believing in Jesus. He was admitted a member of the visible church, has since been preparing for the ministry and is now about to enter upon its sacred duties. Four other cases of hopeful conversion and indirectly upwards of 40 cases more already known to the committee appears to have been connected with the reading of only five copies of the above-mentioned tract. Here then are nearly 50 persons whose hopeful conversion is seen by the feeble eye of mortals. Even in this distant world, and while looking through a glass darkly, to have been connected with the reading of only six copies of one single tract. Of this tract, 24,000 copies have been published by this society, and great numbers by other societies. Add to the influence of those six copies the influence of all these, and to the influence of all these add the influence of three million other tracts published by this society, and two million by other societies in this country. And to have the influence of these, add the influence of 50 million published by the London Tract Society and other millions by other tract societies on the continent of Europe. And who can estimate the result? Let the increase of tracts go forward as it is done for the 10 years past, only 20 years to come, and there are hundreds of millions in actual circulation. Sum up the amount of the influence of all these upon the souls of men. See them speaking to immortal beings in every town, village, and family on the continent of Europe, America, and European tracts meeting and mingling together on the shores of the Caspian, extending their influence to every part of Asia, to the islands of every sea, to every continent and kingdom and family on the globe, and moving onward with animating influence to the end of the world, and lo, a great multitude which no man can number, out of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stand before the throne of God and believe the Lamb, and open their everlasting song unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. 
Extract of a letter from L. Whitney, one of the missionaries employed by the Connecticut Missionary Society, dated at Lexington, Kentucky, March 2, 1823. One who has not visited the western and southern divisions of our country has no just conception how much good may be effected in our destitute settlements by tracts. They reach individuals who otherwise would receive no religious instruction. They become subjects of conversation and reflection, and by thus preparing the way, contribute much to the success of missionary labors. Two settlements are found some pious and intelligent men who would take a pleasure in perusing and circulating them. You will permit me to mention one example of individual exertion and the salutary effects produced by it. When in Alabama last spring, I became acquainted with a pious and intelligent planter who came originally from Virginia and settled in the county of Morgan. His feelings were highly excited in view of the immorality of the country. Many of the inhabitants, and especially those that lived in the ranges and near the mountain, were idle and dissolute. They paid no respect to religion and regarded the Sabbath merely as a holiday. He revolved in his mind various methods of affecting their moral improvement and at length fixed on a distribution of Bible tracts. He sent immediately to Knoxville, Tennessee, for none could be obtained nearer, and procured a considerable number and distributed them not only among his neighbors but in the remote parts of the county. The consequences were happy beyond what he had anticipated. A change in the conduct of many was soon visible. They were led to respect religion and its institutions, and instead of spending the Sabbath in idleness or amusement or vice, they might frequently be seen in little groups on that sacred day reading the tracts or listening to some one of their circle as he read to the others seated around him in tearful silence. Repeated applications have been made to this gentleman for new supplies. He assured me that many of his neighbors were now ready to cooperate with him and requested me to delay a little and organize the tract society. My previous engagements rendering this impracticable, I merely furnished him with the constitution of a society and pledged myself to forward him some tracts. In all the states west of the Allegheny Mountains, excepting Ohio, I know of only five depositories. Could you establish depositories throughout the country? The itinerating preachers who can carry but few tracts at a time might easily supply themselves for distribution. Many of the Methodist and Baptist preachers would find it in perfect accordance with their feelings and the objects they have in view to put in circulation any number judiciously selected. Among the places where a depository of tracts is especially needed, I would mention Lexington, Louisville, and Hopkinsville in Kentucky, Madison and Indianapolis in Indiana, Golconda and Edwardsville in Illinois, Clarksville, Nashville, and Columbia in Tennessee, Natchez and Mississippi and Huntsville and Florence in Alabama. The following letter to the American Tract Society is from a clergyman in Georgia in early 1829. I take the liberty of addressing a few lines to you on the subject of our destitution of the means of religious instruction and beg you to present our case before the board of the Tract Society of Boston. The city in which I reside is pretty well supplied, but the surrounding country for hundreds of miles is entirely destitute, except here and there, a Bible or tract that we have occasionally sent out into this region of moral desolations. For 80 miles north of the city, 
in the same distant south, there is not a church or minister, and, I had almost said, not a Bible. I've occasionally preached to these people who told me they never heard a sermon from a Presbyterian before, very rarely from any other. There are many who cannot read, who have never heard of Christ, and who are living without God and utterly without hope. For 200 miles west, there is nothing that bears a semblance of religion, and nothing that has the appearance of religious worship. We have sent out many Bibles and some tracts into the region, but these are nothing compared with the immense number that are wanted. We have great facilities for distributing tracts in that region by means of those who have come down hundreds of miles to supply our markets and carry back those necessities that cannot be procured in the interior. The Female Bible Society of St. Mary's have resolved to furnish every destitute family in Camden County and the adjacent parts of Florida within six months. This pledge is nearly redeemed, but there are several counties still destitute in the whole immense country of East and West Florida. Alacoa country in the center of East Florida is rapidly increasing in population, and there is not a church nor minister in that whole region. Tallahassee, the capital of the territory, is equally destitute. And what can be done? Shall these immortals perish, or will you give them the bread of life? Who can tell what amount of good may be done by putting a Bible tract into every family where any member can read it? Perhaps in this way you may save souls from death and be the means of canceling a multitude of sins, end quote. The following note, signed, An Obscure Female, enclosing $8, was left in the depository without our knowledge of anything of the source from which it came. The object of the Track Society has ever engaged a large share of my interest and enlisted my thought and affection far beyond that of any other benevolent object of the day. It has always been my intention to give some feeble aid in its support, but my situation in life has heretofore been such as not to admit of the gratification of my wishes being necessitated to obtain my livelihood by teaching. I have not until the present time deemed it duty to devote so large a sum as $8 to this precious work. The enclosed I cheerfully send you to aid in sustaining the tract operations at the West. It is of little value in comparison with the hundreds that may be appropriated for the like purpose, but I could not justify myself in withholding it on that account. I feel it is a rich privilege thus to cast in my might and not suffer this great work to be carried forward without lending some assistance or making some sacrifice in order for its advancement, end quote. From a committee of students to whom tracts were given for gratuitous distribution in Maine, we would be grateful that we have been assisted by your excellent institution to disseminate a knowledge of the truth among thousands of our fellow creatures who are perishing for lack of knowledge and are soon to appear with us at the bar of God. While we have endeavored judiciously to dispose of the tracts committed to us, we have also endeavored to ascertain the state of feeling at present existing in this vicinity in relation to your society and its publications. In doing this, we have not heard a single objection against either, 
and we feel prepared to say that the friends of Trax and the Trax Society are fast multiplying in this region. Many years must pass away before this part of the vineyard of the Lord can possibly be supplied with faithful laborers. And were it not for your society, multitudes would be left to pass into eternity without ever having the great truths of the gospel placed before them. A letter from 1830 and the demand for tracts. The call for Bible tracts was never greater than at the present time. Sixteen years circulation has made their intrinsic excellence fully known and the new system of distribution has shown the Friends of Truth what an efficient weapon is put into their hands for promoting the cause of the Redeemer. Hence the demand for Bible tracts increases rather than diminishes. The following extract from a letter addressed to the secretary by a clergyman in New Hampshire will show the estimation in which the society's publications are held, as well as the moral condition of some portions of New England. Quote, I'm happy in having an opportunity to make some statements in respect to the importance of Bible tracts in this county. We have 33 towns embracing more than 60,000 inhabitants. When half of these towns are destitute of the preaching of the gospel from ministers of any denomination, and I believe it's safe to say that more than one half of the people are without the privilege of attending public worship, we need your tracts then to preach to 30 or 40,000 souls in this county, but how shall we get them is the inquiry from one end of the county to the other. Such, sir, is the state of things here, while thousands are perishing for the bread of life, with which your society can so easily and so well supply them. There seems to be no other means by which the great mass of people can be reached with any proper religious instruction. Quote. This extract is but a fair specimen of the requests, which are frequently laid before your committee for tracts. And the county alluded to is but a fair specimen of a considerable portion of the society's field of operation. Much might be said relative to the moral wastes of many parts of New England. They have not yet been fully presented to the public eye. Perhaps they cannot be. While so many darker and more destitute regions of our own country and of other lands like an eclipse keep them out of sight. I am personally acquainted, writes a clergyman in Massachusetts, with three individuals who attribute their conversion under God to the happy influence of Bible tracts. The first was a youth of 16 years of age. His attention had been called to the subject of religion during a revival, in which 20 or 30 persons were brought to a knowledge and love of the truth. The revival had passed, and he was fast returning to the pleasures of sin, when a friend put into his hand a tract, subjects of serious consideration. He read it. His seriousness returned. He felt that he had provoked a holy God. Sleep departed from his eyes and slumber from his eyelids. And he found no peace until he humbly submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is now an active, humble, devoted Christian. In the same town, during a powerful revival in 1821 and 1822, the youth held an evening conference and prayer meeting. One evening, this young gentleman, who actually conducted the meeting, selected his subject and went to the conference, though in great mental darkness and depression. He could not even open the meeting with prayer, 
all sad and breathless silence, wondering why he did not commence the exercises of the evening. At length, a young lady entered the room and handed him the tract entitled, Today, with a request from her mother that it might be read in a meeting. Darkness vanished from his mind. He rose and addressed the throne of grace, and the Holy Spirit seemed present. It was to all as the house of God. The Bible tract was read. A daughter of the person who sent it and another young lady were convinced of the importance of immediate submission to God. They anxiously inquired, what shall we do to be saved? They were directed to repent and believe. The former soon became a hopeful subject of renewing grace. The latter never lost her serious impressions, and in a revival some time after she found peace in believing. The other was a little girl who was left alone on the Sabbath, while her parents attended public worship. She perused a tract. It fastened conviction of sin in her mind, and when her parents, who were pious, returned, they found her in tears, pleading for mercy. Her anxiety was told to a few who knew the power of prayer. She was soon brought to submit to Christ and to rejoice in hope of pardon. Christians were roused to the discharge of long-neglected duty. This seriousness increased, and a revival went forward, which issued in the hopeful conversion of 60 individuals who were added to the church. This was in a new settlement in the state of Maine. A work of divine grace, writes an agent from the state of Maine, which was enjoyed in this town about two years since, and which raised the church from an almost hopeless state of declension and greatly improved the moral habits of the people, is stated by a gentleman who was himself a subject of the work to have originated in the reading of a Bible tract by one of the members of the church. About one year since, then, says an agent of the society in New Hampshire, I gave the Bible tract friendly conversation to a young man. He told me a few days since he hoped it had been the means of his conversion. He is now a regular member of the church in that town. A pious school teacher, writes a correspondent, a few years since saw in the countenance of one of her scholars the appearance of declining health. This excited solicitude for her spiritual welfare. She conversed with her affectionately on the importance of her soul's salvation. A few days passed on, and the scholar was missing from the school. She was confined to her room. Her teacher repeatedly visited her, faithfully warned her of her danger, and pointed her to Christ, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. To enforce her conversation, she left a Bible tract addressed to the sick, who are without hope in Christ. The afflicted scholar, who was but fourteen years of age, perused it again and again. And accustomed to religious instruction and ignorant of tracts, she supposed her teacher had written and printed it for her. It was appropriate to her condition, and as her teacher fondly hopes, led her to embrace a Savior to whom, with apparent cheerfulness and resignation, a few weeks after she committed herself in the hour of death, end quote. A pastor in one of the parishes of New England remembers that when he was a child, perhaps 10 or 12 years of age, the track Dinah Doudney was given to his mother and was read aloud by him in the presence of his parents until deep emotions and loud sobs prevented his proceeding. He retired into a secret chamber to weep there. A restless night succeeded. 
He dared not sleep lest he should awake in hell. He also recollects of having more or less seriousness ever after, for the period of ten or twelve years when he hopes his sins were pardoned and his heart was renewed by divine grace. The same clergyman related the above fact to a student in theology, who replied that his attention was first arrested by the same tract, and that he found no permanent peace until about a year after when he hopefully submitted to Christ. A tract entitled The Way to be Saved was given to a lady in a town of Vermont. She read it. Her attention was arrested. Her heart was softened and her hopeful conversion was a consequence. The report of the Female Auxiliary Tract Society in New Bedford says, quote, One instance of a person's being benefited by tracts distributed by the members of this society has come to their knowledge recently. A profane young man on board a ship took up the tract letter from a mother to her only son and was brought to see the evil of his ways. The three following facts are from a clergyman in the state of Maine. Quote, Bible tracts have done great good in this place. They have awakened the thoughtless, guided the inquirer, and enlightened and quickened the Christian. They have been sent into nearly every family in the town. In many instances, doubtless, they have done good, which will not be known until the day in which all hearts shall be revealed. But in some instances, their good effects are known even here. Soon after my settlement in this town, a woman called at my lodgings who was in deep mental distress. She had been profane, clamorous, and passionate in the extreme, so that she was a pest to the neighborhood in which she resided. I found her unhappy, but she hardly knew why. She could not express her feelings. She read the Bible but could not understand it. She was so ignorant that I labored in vain to adapt my language to her capacities. She read several tracts but had not the intellect enough to understand them. I at length gave her the tract to pray in African, and that reached her case. The simple language of the African expressed her feelings exactly. Here, thought I, is a new use for Bible tracts to preach to those who are too ignorant to understand a living teacher. The woman left off her outward vices, though she has not given very decided evidence of a change of heart. At the formation of our society last fall, a man was invited to subscribe to our tracks. He subscribed, though rather reluctantly. When called on for the money, he fell into a passion and used much profane language. The next Sabbath, after receiving his Bible tracks, he was awakened while reading maternal duty. He soon became deeply impressed, and after pungent conviction, he obtained a trembling hope in the Savior. He is now a member of the church and adorns his profession. He is greatly affected when he thinks that he was enraged at what afterwards, by the blessing of God, was made his means of hopeful conversion. A lady in my society, who had for years been serious but was in darkness, obtained clear conceptions of the way of salvation and found joy and peace while reading Christ, the only refuge. A pastor wrote, A young lady who was, within the year past, united with the church in this place, was awakened by reading the tract, Serious Thoughts on Eternity. Two examples, says the Reverend Mister, have recently come to my knowledge in which good has been done by tracts. 
The way to be saved was the means of bringing comfort and hope to a valuable member of my society, who was anxiously inquiring what must he do to be saved. Sixteen or seventeen years ago, a gentleman, who had been educated at the oldest college in New England, and was then engaged as a tutor in another, called one morning on the clergyman of the parish, at an hour when the family were all engaged in various domestic employments. He seated himself in a room alone. His eye immediately caught a pamphlet lying upon the mantelpiece, which he took and began to read. It was a tract called Sixteen Short Sermons. His attention was arrested. He hardly knew how and powerfully attracted to its contents. He read through without interruption, and as he proceeded from step to step in the doctrines of evangelical truth, as explained in that delightful tract, it pleased God to set the truth home to his heart and conscience. He saw and felt himself to be a condemned sinner. At the same time, he saw the sinner's only refuge, a crucified Redeemer, and in him he attempted to put his trust. In that same hour he was permitted to indulge the hope to which he still clings, and which has since afforded him comfort in many a season of sorrow. The reading of that Bible tract was the means under God to which he must now attribute his first conviction of sin and his hope of pardon. Well, and these are just some stories of the usefulness of Bible tracts in the early days of the American Tract Society in New England, the 1820s and early 1830s. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. This is the voice of the narrated Puritan, puritanaudiobooks.com.